And so today I want to preach about the church at Sardis, a wake-up call for a dead church, a wake-up call for a dead church. Revelation chapter 3, verse 1. This is from the New International Version, that first verse of Revelation chapter 3. Listen to what God's Word says. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, these are the words of him who hold the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. If you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They walk with me. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Verse 2, Jesus says, wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. In verse 3, Jesus says, but if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief. He's talking about the judgment that will come upon them. This is a wake-up call for a dead church. This is the fifth church of the seven churches of Asia Minor. This is the city of Sardis, and Sardis was the capital city for that region. It was the it was the chief city for that region. It was a very wealthy and affluent city. Uh, this was a city that had a, a very important trade center that was there. And I, actually, it, it had the military might that was there as well. The city was strategically located, and they used that to a military advantage. But with all of its wealthiness, with all of its affluence, with all that it had going for them, this was a city that was full of idolatry and immorality. They had a temple there for the goddess Artemis, and they had so many pagan gods and idol gods and graven images. It was full of paganism and idolatry, which led to immorality. And, and here is a church in that city, and Jesus has a message to the church of Sardis, and he starts this message off the way he does the other churches by telling this church who he is for them at this season in their life. I love that. Whatever you need Jesus to be at any given season in your life, he becomes that. Whatever our church as a whole need him to be in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of inequality, in the midst of systemic racism, in the midst of poverty, whatever we need Jesus to be, Jesus becomes that for us. So he says to the church at Sardis, I'm the one who holds the seven stars in my hand. We've already looked in Revelation 1 and 20 to know that those seven stars represent the pastors of the seven churches of Asia Minor. 
Jesus is saying, I, I, I hold the pastors in my hand. I'm the one preserving them. I'm the one protecting them. I'm the one providing power for them. They are in my right hand. But he also says, I hold the seven spirits of God in my hand. I want to walk real slow through this passage of Scripture at this point. Jesus said, I hold the seven spirits of God in my hand. The seven spirits of God. You and I know that we serve one God. The Lord our God is one God. He's one Lord. But that one God manifests himself in at least three different ways. He manifests himself as Father. He manifests himself as Son. And he manifests himself as Holy Spirit. It is one Father, one Son, one Holy Spirit, the manifestation, the way God expresses himself. And Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all play a part in our salvation. So everybody in here who's a Christian who is saved, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has something to do with that. All of you who are going to accept Jesus for the first time in your life, you're going to get saved today. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit play a part in that salvific move. It is the Father. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The love of God is a part of that salvation. No matter what you've done in your life, God loves you unconditionally. You haven't done anything and you can't do anything to make God stop loving you. The love of the Father. Then the Son, while we were yet sinners, Christ died. The wages of sin is death. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all deserve to die. But Jesus, the Son of God, died on the cross for our sins to pay that penalty. When you put your faith in that work, that's where salvation comes from. The love of the Father and the death of the Son and then the Holy Spirit. He convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment. It is the Holy Spirit who convicts you to let you know you've sinned and missed the mark. He convicts you and lets you know there will be a judgment. All of us will have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We will be judged for every thought, every word, every action in our lives. And the Holy Spirit convicts of righteousness. Righteousness means to be in right standing with God. And the only way to get in right standing with God is by having the right relationship with Jesus, putting your faith in Jesus Christ. So you got the love of the Father, you have the death of the Son, you have the conviction of the Holy Spirit. So what is Jesus talking about when he says, the seven spirits of God in my hand, when we know there's only one Holy Spirit? Y'all, the number seven represents completion or perfection. So God's Holy Spirit is complete. He is perfect. And the Holy Spirit manifests himself in at least seven different ways. One translation says the sevenfold ministry of the Spirit of God. Sevenfold ministry, the seven expressions of God's Holy Spirit. Isaiah chapter 11 Verse 2 speaks of those that the seven spirit, the sevenfold ministry of the Holy Spirit. It talks about the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of power, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of God. 
so that if you're dealing with foolishness, now you have the spirit of wisdom. If you by yourself, you have the spirit of the Lord. If you're confused, now you have the spirit of understanding. If you're in depression, you have the spirit of counsel. If you're weak, you got the spirit of power. If you don't know what to do, you have the spirit of knowledge. If you're dealing with irreverence, you have the spirit of the fear of God. Everything you need, Jesus has it in his hand. Then he moves on to say, I know your works. I know your deeds. I know your actions. Here's the first thing I want you to get. Jesus tells the church at Sardis that you have a reputation for being lively. That's from the past. But in the present, you are lifeless. King James Version. You have a name for being alive, a name. The report on you is that you're alive. The reputation you have is that you're alive. But reputations come from what you have done in the past. So in the past, you've done something over a certain period of time, and you pick up a name, you pick up a report, you pick up a reputation. But Jesus says, that's from the past when you were alive. But you haven't done anything in so long that now it seems like you are dead. You are lifeless. There is nothing that is there for you. This is an illustration. This is... This is a metaphor. This is, a, uh, th th this is an illustration. So I don't want to push it too far because it's an illustration to help you to identify with what death is with this church. So I don't want to push it too far, but you can, there is the presumption of death, the presumption of death. Somebody can legally be declared dead. When somebody goes missing for a certain period of time and their family hasn't seen them, they ain't heard from them, workplace haven't heard from them, Friends haven't heard from them. They disappeared. They ain't been around. Ain't nobody seen them. In, in the United States, most state laws is seven years, and nobody heard or seen from them in seven years. They can be declared legally dead. In our neighboring state in Ohio, uh, in 1986, there was a man who, who lost his job. He got fired. When he got fired on his job, uh, he had all this debt. He didn't know what to do, so he decided he would just leave his wife and his two children. And he left his wife and his two children in 1986, and nobody heard from him. His family didn't hear from him. Even his parents didn't hear from him. His friends didn't hear from him. So the eighth year, his wife went to court and had him declared legally dead. She started collecting Social Security death benefits. Then in 2005, he shows back up in Ohio. When he shows back up, he goes to get his driver's license. Well, when he went to get his driver's license, the Bureau of Motor Vehicles said, we can't give you a driver's license. You're legally dead. So he decides he's going to go to court, get this thing corrected. He gets him a lawyer. He goes to court, and he's trying to convince everybody that he's alive. And then the judge came up with his ruling. Here was the ruling of the judge in the state of Ohio that once a person has been declared legally dead and if more than three years have passed, then the ruling cannot be reversed. The judge said, this is strange because we see him sitting in the courtroom right here, but I cannot reverse the, the ruling so he's still legally dead. Here's what God is saying 
to the church at Sardis. I haven't seen some of y'all in a long time. You used to serve, you used to give, you used to support, you used to have a, a, a faith expression in the community, but I ain't heard from you, I ain't seen you, you have disappeared, I haven't been able to, y'all ain't saying amen to this. So he declares them dead. You had a reputation for being alive, but now you're dead. And you can be brain dead. Brain dead? I don't know how many times I've been to the hospital coming alongside families who have loved ones who are brain dead, that there is no brain activity. And so they're connected to a life support machine, a life support system. And because if once your brain is dead, once there's no brain activity, the rest of your body is going to follow. So with the hospitals, they got them plugged in so that they can keep the rest of the body alive. I think they do that most of the time to give the family an opportunity to come in and say their goodbyes. Because once your brain dead, y'all, you're dead. And, and Jesus is saying to the church of Sardis that y'all must be brain dead. I don't see a lot of act, spiritual activity happening in your brain. The apostle Paul says that we're dealing with spiritual warfare and that the battlefield is the mind. He says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not of this world but they are mighty and powerful to the pulling down of strongholds, to the demolishing of strongholds. Strongholds are walls. Strongholds are barriers. Paul says that as God is seeking to get the word of God to your mind, get the knowledge of God in your mind, get, get, get the, the understanding of God in your mind, it hasn't been able to get there because there is a barrier between your mind and the knowledge of God. But we are in the midst of spiritual warfare and our weapon is not carnal but spiritual and mighty to the demolishing of that wall so that the word of God can get there. But some of us have not been receptive to God's word because ain't no activity going on up there. I know that there have been times in my life that I've done some things I wish I had not done. I know y'all going to act all holy on me, but... There have been some things I've done in my life, and I'm very ashamed of it. I wish I had not done that. And now that I think about it, I must have been brain dead. I ain't, okay, y'all acting all holy and sanctimonious, but I ain't got no other explanation for why I was doing that. I must have been spiritually brain dead. But thank God that there were churches and people filled with God's spirit that was able to demolish that stronghold so that God's word can get to my mind. Jesus says that you had the reputation of being alive, but now you're lifeless. You're dead. Maybe it's, it's cardiopulmonary death. Cardiopulmonary, cardio, heart. That th there is no activity of the heart. Jesus says something's not right with your heart. I don't see any compassion. I don't see any acts of compassion. I know your works. I don't see any acts of compassion. You used to have it, but you don't have it now. You don't love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you definitely don't love other people as yourself. He said, you had a reputation for being alive, but now you're dead. And some of us won't say amen because some of us are dead and don't even know it. Paul wrote to the believers at Ephesus and said that some, we, we, were, we were dead in trespasses and in sin, but then when we gave our faith to Jesus, his grace saved us. 
And some of us haven't been saved by faith with the grace of God, which means you're still dead in trespasses and in sin. But some of us, we're dead and don't even know it. That's why you hear people always talking about how spiritual they are. I'm just, you know, I don't need the church because I'm spirit. I don't need to go to church and connect with I'm spirit. I don't need to read the Bible because I'm spiritual. I don't need to give and I don't need to serve because I'm, I'm on a different round. I'm spiritual. I ain't never seen a generation that claims spirituality based on what they do not do. Some of us are dead and don't know it. One of my favorite movies of all time, and I know I watch too many movies, I know, but one of my favorite movies of all times came out in 1999. It was called The Sixth Sense. The Sixth Sense. I'm not going to recommend it because it's a weird movie, but I, I love that movie, The Sixth Sense. Had his little 10-year-old boy in the movie. He had some issues in his life. He had a secret that he wouldn't tell anybody. And the secret that he had was getting in the way of his interpersonal relationships, relationship with his mother, his educators, his classmates were all messed up. It was on him because he had a secret that got in the way of the relationship and he wouldn't tell anybody what the secret was. Then he gets this child psychiatrist. It's um, Bruce Willis played in the movie, and Bruce Willis was the child psychiatrist, and he was connecting with the 10-year-old. Finally, the 10-year-old told the, his psychiatrist, I'm ready to tell you what my secret is. And the psychiatrist says, okay, well, what is your secret? Little boy said, I see dead people. Psychiatrist said, well, where do you see them? They're everywhere. They don't know they're dead. They see what they want to see. I think y'all know where I'm headed with this, that there are some of us who are spiritually dead, but we don't know we did because we see what we want to see. Jesus said, you used to have it going on. You got a reputation for what you used to be. But the truth is you are not that anymore. And he gives them this wake-up call. He says to wake up and finish what you started with God. He said, you started it with God. But you're not doing it, and I need, I need you to wake up and finish what you started with God. And some of us have started with the Lord, but we didn't finish with God. We, we got some unfinished business going on. And, and, and really, Jesus is letting us know that this verse, this death can be reversed. Preacher, what do you mean? Well, I know in, in Ohio, when you're legally dead, and it's been longer than three years, they can't reverse that call. I don't know how they're going to handle that over there. But if you're clinically dead, you can, that can be reversed. Pastor, what do you mean clinically dead? Let's say somebody uh, has a, a, a cardiac arrest. Somebody has a heart attack. And when they have a heart attack, their heart stops beating. They are clinically dead. But there is a four-minute window where you can reverse death. They're dead, but you can reverse. And the reason I say four minutes is because if a heart stops beating and you can't get it back more than four minutes, you're going to have some, some serious brain damage going on. But they're clinically dead. You can have some chest compressions. You can have CPR. You can breathe breath into them and reverse the death. Jesus is letting this church know that though you are dead, you don't have to stay dead. Then how do we make that comeback? How do we get a restart? How do we get a reset? He says that you have to wake up. Wake up? 21st century, we don't say wake up. We call it being woke. Everybody run around now. So Everybody's so woke. We're woke. We're woke. Woke, woke is to be 
socially conscious. Woke uh, in, in our vernacular, in our neighborhoods, it is to be alert, aware, awake socially as to what is going on, that you are uh, socially conscious. You, you, you see the uh, you, you see the, the systemic racism. You see the inequality. You see the injustice. You are woke, even though the Black Lives Matter movement went further than just being awake, being woke, being socially conscious. They said woke is also having the appropriate reaction to what you see in, in society. So if you see racism and you're not doing anything, they say you're still not woke. It's when you have the appropriate action to handle the social ills that you see. But here's what I want to get across to you. We're talking about being uh, woke socially, but you cannot be woke socially at the highest level you need to be if you are not woke spiritually. It is the spiritual that gives rise to the social. See, some of us, we want to be woke socially, but we ain't got nothing going on spiritually. Micah said, let justice rush down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. So some of us want the justice to rush down, but we don't want the righteousness there. How are you going to talk about having justice without righteousness? That's trying to have justice without Jesus. If you're going to get justice, you got to bring Jesus in on it. So the spiritual gives rise to the social. Jesus said this in Luke 4. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. That's the spiritual. Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. Anoint, set apart. He sanctified me. That's the spiritual. To do what? To do the social. To preach the gospel to the poor, the marginalized who have been left out. To set captives free. That's social. To restore sight to the blind, to bind the brokenhearted. That's health care. That, that's social. To, to bring emancipation to those who are in prison. That is the social. But Jesus didn't operate in the social until he got anointed and sanctified in the spiritual because the spiritual gives rise to the soul. I wish somebody would say amen to this. Jesus says that you need to wake up, wake up and repent, change your mind. And, and, and he says, here's the thing, because we got unfinished business. Some of us are sitting back doing nothing because we think we're finished. We're not finished. And I praise God for a 102-year history of Eastern Star Church of Indianapolis and Fishers, Indiana, and all the things that have happened in 102 years. But, y'all, we got some unfinished business. Still some souls that need to be saved. Still some lives that need to be changed. Still some disciples that need to be made. Still some leaders that need to be developed. Still some young people that need to be educated. Still some hungry folk that need to be fed. Still some people who are homeless that need adequate housing. I don't know why y'all ain't saying amen. We got unfinished business. Oh, wait. I do know why you're not saying amen. Because Jesus said it's unfinished business in the sight of my father. Yet from the perspective of God, we have unfinished business. In our own eyes, we think we're really doing something. When we, when our own eyes, we boast on ourselves. But in, in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, there are times it says that Israel, uh, they did what was right in their own eyes. And when they were doing what was right in their own eyes, they were actually doing what was wrong in the eyes of God. And some of us think 
that we're finished. We've done so well. Look at my reputation. In my own eyes, I'm finished. No, in the eyes of God, it's unfinished business. That's why we read Scripture. That's why we meditate on the Word. That's why we operate in the Holy Spirit. We let the Spirit fill us so we can start seeing things from the perspective of God to know we still got work to do. Uh, I, I think we only had like two days of rain in Indianapolis over the past six weeks. And so every day except two days, I've been riding around in my Ford Mustang convertible. I got to admit, every day I've been riding around in my Ford Mustang convertible and the wind blowing through my hair. And, and, and when I roll with my convertible, y'all, this is, I, I wear these, these dark sunglasses. This, y'all see me out there. I'm, I, I just like that wind blowing through my hair. I got my sunglasses on. And these are prescription sunglasses. I know they're real dark, but they're prescription sunglasses. And in the sun, when it's so bright out there, it's perfect. And they're so comfortable, sometimes I forget I have them on. Y'all ain't got to look at me like that. You were looking for your glasses yesterday, and they were on your face. So I forgot I had them on. They all dark. I stopped at the Fisher's Campus, our church out there. And, and when I went in, it was so dark in the church. I'm like, what is wrong with this church? It is so dark in here. So I start going through flipping on lights, and it was still dark. I'm like, what in the, why, why is this church so dark? It wasn't the church that was dark. It was my perspective and worldview that was dark. Y'all, from your eyes, you think something wrong with the church. It ain't the church. It's how you see life because you don't see life from the perspective of God. I got to keep rolling. He, Jesus said, if you're going to wake up, if you're going to get up from this, then you got to hold on to what you already have. He said, he said, remember what you have with God, what you already heard, what you've already received. Remember that. Then he said, hold on to it because some of us have been letting go. And Jesus said, oh, no, if you're going to come back from this, you got to hold on. And so many of us are in depression right now because we don't remember what we have already. We're in depression because we always focusing in on what we don't have and what I lost. And, and yo, I, I'm not trying to belittle that or be insensitive to that. But you'll stay in depression if all you focus on is what you do not have. Jesus said you got to hold on to what you already have, what you've already received. Yo, there's some things I wish I had that I don't have. But the reason I can still have joy, because I remember what I already got. Yo, you still got faith. You still got Jesus. You still got hope. You still have the Holy Spirit. You still have God. You still have the church. You still have the body of Christ. You still have at least one gift of the Spirit. You still benefit from the other gifts of the Spirit in the body of Christ. Do I have a witness in here? Remember what you already have and then hold on to it. There was this, this man in northern London, and he was so depressed that he decided he was going to take his own life. So he goes to this bridge in northern London and he climbs over the railing of the bridge and he's standing on the other side getting ready to jump to his death. He's going to commit suicide. He's so depressed. Somebody saw him when they were driving down the street, stopped their car, jumped out, and trying to talk the man out of jumping over this bridge. As a matter of fact, he started holding on to him 
other people driving by saw what was happening, they began to stop. And they're sitting up here holding on to this, this young man who's given up on life. And even as they're holding on, somebody got in touch with the authorities and the operator said that the authorities are on their way. I'm sending the police. I'm sending the fire department, the firefighters. They're on their way. So here they are holding him. Then they took a rope and they tied it around him. And even with the rope tied to him and the railing, they were still holding on to him. And they kept on holding on because somebody promised them help is on the way. The authorities are coming. If you just hold on, they'll be here. And, and two hours later, the police show up, the fire department, got that ladder out, got, was able to get him down, get him in an ambulance, get him to the hospital to get him the help that he needed. But what I'm trying to show you is that for two hours, they stood there holding on because the promise, police and firefighters are on their way. If we got enough wherewithal to wait on police who promised they'd get here and fire people who said they'd get here, surely we can wait on Jesus that said, I'm coming again. Is there anybody here willing to hold on to what you already have? I got to keep rolling. I got to keep rolling. I got to keep going. Jesus said, as dead as this church is, as messed up as it is, as dirty as this city is, they're in a, they're in a dirty city and they have to deal with a dead church. This is a time where the city needs them the most. And the churches they used to depend on aren't doing anything. But Jesus said there's still a few people who have not soiled their clothes. There's still some clean Christians in a dirty city. He said there's still some Christians who are alive even though it's in a city with dead churches. Y'all got to get this. Because some of us, we blame other people and other institutions why we so dirty and so messed up. Here, here's what Manuel Scott Sr. used to say. Manuel Scott Sr. used to say, you can, get, you, you can get something good even from a bad church. Jesus says, you can still get life at a dead church. You can still be clean in a dirty city. Somebody ought to be saying amen. He said it's just a few. It's just a remnant. He said, but because they stay clean, because they held on to their faith, because they changed their mind, they repented, they become overcomers. They're victorious. And now Jesus said they get to walk with me. See, y'all need to say amen with that. Jesus said, because you held on to your faith, you stuck in there, you hung on in there. Now he said, now you get to walk with me. I know we love sermons where preachers promise houses and cars and cash and riches. I, I know we love those sermons. I know I do. And I know I serve a God that can supply all your needs. But even if I don't get the house, even if I don't get the car, even if I don't get the money, even if I don't get the riches, I still get to walk with Jesus. Do I have a witness in here? If you walk with Jesus, he'll turn water into wine. If you walk with Jesus, he'll feed you when you're hungry. If you walk with Jesus, he'll make a way out of no way. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil because I'm walking with Jesus. Do I have a witness in here? He said, no, not only are they going to walk with me, but I'm going to make sure that they're dressed in white. I'm going to cover them with, with white garments, with a white robe. Jesus says, I'm going to make sure they're covered by Christ. 
Luke 15, there was a father that had two sons. One of the sons lost his mind and went to his dad and said, give me my inheritance now. Give you your inheritance now. You don't get an inheritance when the person is still alive. You don't get inheritance till the person is dead. That's his way of telling his father to drop dead. And out of his father's grace and mercy, he gave his son some resources. And then the son, when he got his resources, he, he left his father's house and distanced himself from his father and started having, Luke 15 says, riotous living, wild living. And he did all that till all his money ran out. And when his money ran out, his friends ran out with him. And then he found himself in a dirty, nasty situation. And that's when he came to himself. He repented. He changed his mind. He said, I'm going to tell my father, I sinned against you. And I sinned against heaven. So when he changed his mind, he, he repented. He turned around and went back to his father's house. and went back to his father. And as he was trying to tell his father, I sinned against heaven and you, his father cut him off and started giving him some things. And one of the things his father gave him was a robe. He said, I want to make sure I got my son covered. And y'all, I've been places I should not have been, and I've done things I wish I hadn't done. And I found myself in some dirty situations, but when I changed my mind and I came to God just as I was, he didn't wait till I got better. He just covered me right then. Anybody been covered with the blood of Jesus? Somebody ought to be shouting, yes, he will. He covered him. Christ had him covered. Christ was walking with him. And then Christ told him, I'm going to, since you held on to your faith, since you didn't let go, you've already repented, changed your mind. You woke. Here, here's what Jesus said. I'm going to make sure your name never gets removed from the book of life. Never gets erased from the book of, y'all, in the first century, kings, whatever region they were over, whatever they were over, whatever they had authority over, they made sure everybody in, that they had authority over had their name registered in the book that belonged to the king. They were read in a book. But if somebody committed a crime, then the king would remove their name out of the book. Or if somebody died, then they would blot that name out of the book. Jesus said, because we put our faith in him, he says, I'm going to put your name in the book of life. And even if you become a martyr, I know that the emperor and Rome are killing Christians. And if you deny my name on this earth, I'm going to deny you before my father. But if you confess my name on this earth, now understand, they may kill you. But it will not take your name out of the book. Because once I put your name in the book of life, not even the devils in hell can remove your name. When you read the book of Revelation, it says, those whose names are not in the book of life will have to face a second death, the lake of fires. That means that you'll spend your eternity without the grace of God in your life. But because you put your faith in Jesus and you hung on in there, Jesus said, I'm going to make sure your name never comes out of the book. Y'all might as well say, man, I'm preaching all this today. And then the other promise of Jesus is this. He said, I'm going to confess your name before my father and his angels. Wait a minute. You're going to confess my name in front of your father and his angels? Oh, man. Let, 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 let me do it like this. Uh, this was years ago. I got a call from a preacher, 
And he said, uh, he said, Jeffrey Johnson, expect a call from the NFL. I said, man, why would people from the NFL call me? He said, because every year at the Pro Bowl, the all-star game the, uh, for, for the NFL, every year we, leading up to that, they have a, a relationship retreat for the NFL players and, and their wives or their girlfriends. He said, I've been doing it every year. I can't do it this year. So I gave them your name. And I ended up in Hawaii, staying at one of the best resorts in the world, doing the relationship retreat, and then did the chapel service for the pro bowlers who were there on that Sunday, all because this preacher confessed my name. And then when Promise Keepers in 1994 was leaving Colorado, they'd been in Colorado all that time. I didn't even know who Promise Keepers were. Then they decided they're getting ready to go national with this thing. And they sent some representatives to come make an appointment and sit in my office on, on 22nd Street even before we moved in here. And those representatives said uh, that we're moving um, Promise Keepers throughout the nation. And, and we, we want you to be one of our speakers because more than one person has been telling us about your name. I was preaching to hundreds of thousands of men throughout the United States of America with a group I had never even heard of because somebody confessed my name. President Barack Obama, First Lady Michelle Obama, their last year in office at the White House, sent me an invitation to come to the White House for the resurrection breakfast. I didn't even know they had a resurrection breakfast where they celebrated the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They sent me an invitation. Lady Sharon and I, we were able to go. And when we went down there, of course, when you get to the White House, the first thing they do is to check the book and see if your name is in there. So they checked. They saw our names. They let us in. When I get in there, of course, there's President Barack Obama, there's uh, the First Lady Michelle Obama. We hanging out with the president and his wife. I start looking around. There were presidents of national conventions. There were presidents of so national social justice groups. There were bishops and potentates and people with all of these big names. And I'm wondering, how did I get in here? I did some research, come to find out a young lady at our church, 22 years old, had an internship with Michelle Obama. And before they had the breakfast, Michelle Obama called a meeting with her staff and her interns. And at the conference table, she asked them, who should we invite? to the resurrection breakfast this year. Everybody else was calling those big names, and that young girl from our church said, you got to have my pastor, Jeffrey Allen Johnson, senior here. And the only reason I got there is because she confessed my name. As great as Hawaii was, as awesome as Promise Keepers was, I praise God, I hung out with the president. But now, there's something greater than that getting ready to take place. Jesus said, because you put my faith in, your faith in him, he's going to call your name before his father and his angels. I got to close. I got to shut this down. He says, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. This messed me up. He that have an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Don't forget how we started the letter. This is a dead church. Jesus has been speaking to a dead church. And he tells a dead church, if you got an ear to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying to you. Because, y'all, when it comes to Jesus, 
death don't bother him. Because when Jesus died on the cross, God raised him from the dead. He took the sting out of death. He took victory from the grave. And he can speak his word into a dead situation. Do I have a witness in here? Anybody in here ever faced a dead situation and heard what the Spirit had to say? Did God not raise you up out of that dead situation? Sit up here and look at folk in the hospital on life support systems and, 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 and life support machines. And the only thing that's keeping them alive is that plug in the wall. If they unplug that out of the wall, that whole scene is done. Jesus has a life support system, but it doesn't plug into a wall. It plugs into him. And then he plugs the Holy Ghost into you. And when you plugged into Jesus and the Holy Ghost is plugged into you, I'll testify myself. He can raise you up out of a dead situation. Can I get a witness in here? Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. Now I'm found blind, but now I see. Can I get a witness in this place? Your grace and mercy brought me through. I'm living this moment because of you. I want to thank you and praise you too. Your grace and mercy, it brought me through. Y'all excuse me, but thank you for saving a wretch like me to remind the world salvation is free. There were times I didn't do right, but you watched over me both day and night. Anybody know his grace? Anybody know his mercy? Then give God glory. Hey. 